0: Well, good morning, church. It is it is truly good uh, to be with you. This is an incredible church, incredible place. Uh, you have amazing leaders. You really do. I want you to know that. We've been looking at the facility uh, in between services, and what an incredible church this is. I was able to bring my wife, Holly, with me. or basically hi, Holly. She was able to come with me to, to Kentucky. And, you know, we're West Virginians, and so honestly, driving around, it, it feels a lot uh, like West Virginia. But what we talked about last night is that London, it feels like an upgraded West Virginia. I want you guys to know that, that you guys got some upgrades. Now, I want you to know there's upgrades because we had options to eat last night. So that's a pretty big deal. If you come to Mason, West Virginia, you might find the Tudor's Biscuit World. Who knows about some Tudor's Biscuit World up in here, right? Just a few guys. It's, it's incredible, but that's about all we got. Other than that, anyway, London, it's a great, great spot. A uh, great place to be, we love, we love Kentucky. Uh, I've been loving this series old school, been keeping up with it, watching it myself and uh, going over the messages. You guys have incredible teachers, incredible leaders that are leading you through some of these stories in the Old Testament. I've been loving the series, may even try to pull it off uh, myself back home. But, you know, ever since I heard this word, uh, this, this, uh, this quote about the word of God, I've loved it. And it goes something like this. Although God's word was not written to us, it is certainly written for us. I'm gonna say that again. Although God's word wasn't written to us, it is certainly written for us. And today I truly believe if we lean into the scripture, lean into the text uh, that is before us today, that God is going to speak something to us because the word of God is for us today. With that being said, let's get right to it. Second Samuel uh, chapter four verse four. This is pretty cool because we're picking up really, I believe, where you guys left off last week talking about David and Goliath. This is kind of on down the line here, the timeline in scripture. So 2 Samuel 4 verse 4, it goes something like this. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. His name was Mephibosheth. Just so you know, as a West Virginian coming, I get the task to talk about Mephibosheth. Yes, I listened to Google about 58 times before I came up here to get that name down. I had people asking me after last service, how do you say that name? Hopefully, if nothing else today, you can walk out of here and say, we learned about Mephibosheth. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Praise you for your word. Thank you for your goodness, your grace and your mercy toward us. I pray that the word of God speaks to us today. Open our hearts, open our minds to receive it. May we, may we gain and glean everything that you want uh, for us in this text today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And a. Men. Well, listen, I started reading the Bible uh, when I was probably 15 years old. I was, I was born again, saved, whatever terminology you'd like to use, followed Jesus, started following Jesus at 14, and I started digging into the Bible myself uh, at age 15. You know, I didn't really have a whole lot of guidance in it as far as anybody telling me where to go or what to do, so oftentimes, I don't know if I can connect with any of you all here in this place, but oftentimes I'd take the Bible, and before I read, I'd say, God... Show me a verse today. This is before Bible app, right? Before you had a verse every single day just thrown at you. Uh, At that time, I I didn't have a cell phone or anything like that. So God, can you speak to me today? And I would like flip through the pages and just stop. Anybody ever do that? Right? How many of y'all know you can get some serious trouble doing that? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like you, you open up and you get to a verse like 2 Samuel 4, 4 and you find out about this five-year-old kid who, who just became crippled, it's not super encouraging. I'm not sure where you go with it from that, right? Like, okay, what are you trying to speak to me today? But oftentimes when I would do that, flip through, find a verse, it was possibly about death and destruction, I'd pray again, God, could you show me something else? possibly a little more encouraging. And as I began to learn, you know, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, somehow by the Spirit, I would always lean toward more the New Testament. You know, <laughs> there's something probably encouraging for me in there. But listen, God's word is for us. And, and a lot of times, although we may see one verse that carries a lot of heaviness, there's so much more for us in God's word throughout these stories. Um, I, I believe this is one of the most tragic introductions of Bible characters. Mephibosheth has this introduction And it's really tragic. I mean, he's a five-year-old kid and they're they're fleeing, Uh, they're fleeing the town and all of a sudden they fall and he ends up crippled. The Bible says he ends up lame in his feet. And So this is possibly one of the most tragic introductions within the Bible. But I first wanna share some history about this verse because there's a lot of history in this verse. And I think some of your pastors have been talking about it, how these are adult stories, right? These are adult stories with adult details. And there are so many adult details within uh, this, this story. But in verse four, the line there says, the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. We need to start there. Because we need to ask ourselves, what was the news? You know, what, why were they running away? Well, the news was this, is that Saul and Jonathan, who Jonathan was Mephibosheth's father, They died in battle. All right, they were killed in battle. And that's what the news was, right? The news was that your grandfather and your father just died in battle. There was a new king in town, and his name was David. You heard a little bit about him last week. Now, David, Saul, and Jonathan, they had this layered relationship. You got any layered relationships in your life? Maybe some of your family members, you have some layered relationships. You love them, but there's a lot of stuff in between, right? Well, let me just tell you that between David, Saul, Jonathan, there was a lot of layers in their relationships. And and Nate covered a little bit of this last week. And I just want to give you, and I mean very brief, I want to give you a brief uh, rundown, if you will, on the history of these relationships between Saul, David, and Jonathan. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. All right, let's move forward. It said, Saul was the first king of Israel, right? That's, the, that's what we need to know today, first and foremost, is Saul was the first king of Israel. Uh, Saul brought David into the kingdom as a young man for his musical abilities. So this is the first introduction of David into this kingdom, Saul's kingdom. Uh, David had musical abilities, and so Saul had need of that at a time in his life, and he brought David into the kingdom to play music for him. Uh, in that time, David becomes very close I mean very close best friends with Jonathan who was Saul's son Uh, they confided in one another they trusted in one another they hung out Uh, they were with together with each other together nearly every single day so they became very close in their relationship Uh, David as you heard about last week becomes a mighty warrior in Saul's army right David becomes this mighty warrior in Saul's army um Eventually, Saul turns from the Lord and continually eyes David, wants to kill him all of the time. And there are many adult details in between. I mean, if you wanna read some serious stuff, uh, go to 2 Samuel, begin to read some of those stories because David was constantly on the run from Jonathan's father. Get this, this is layered, right? Your best friend's father wants to kill you for many years of your life. I'm not sure, do not raise your hand if that's your case because that's a little messed up and maybe we need to get you an escort out of here. But just know this is a, this is a layered relationship, a, a layered story. And basically Saul turns from the Lord and he tries to continually kill David. David is anointed as new king. Again, many adult details in between. And we find ourselves now here in this verse, all saying all of that to find ourselves back here in verse four where, where Jonathan and Saul are now killed in battle, and David is taking the throne. So essentially what is happening, if we can just be real simple, I'm, I'm a simple man, so I just want to shoot straight with you. Everybody in Saul's family was getting the heck out of Dodge because they were afraid they were going to die, all right? Culturally, in that time, when a new king took the throne and a new kingdom took over, if you were related to the old kingdom in any way, if you, if you were a relative or very close, you wanted to run for the hills, Right? Because you didn't know if you were going to make it. The reason was because the old kingdom, or the new kingdom, did not want a resurgence from the old kingdom. So if you were a part of that in any way, you wanted to get whatever you could get and get out of town. Now, let's think about this scenario for Mephibosheth. He was fleeing as a five year old little kid. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of tugs on my heartstrings a little bit. I got four kids at the house 14, 12, seven and, and five, and so I have a five-year-old myself. And so thinking about this five-year-old boy who now all of a sudden has to run for his life, he falls, he falls and he becomes crippled. Uh, I, I'm sorry that I made the verse even more depressing for some of you today, but we are going somewhere with this. We have to realize the, the heaviness of this text. There's so much heaviness in verse four. He was fleeing as a five-year-old uh, and, and with his caregiver And they had a fall and it left him broken. And so my my first point today that I want to share is this. Mephibosheth was broken by a fall. Mephibosheth was broken by a fall. Now, imagine what it must have been like for him. Imagine what it must have been like for this five-year-old. Running, fleeing. Fearing for his life. Imagine the things he was thinking about. Imagine the difficulty he he was facing. Um, Imagine what was going through this little kid's head. He once had everything and now all of a sudden he has nothing. Get that. He went from having everything to in a moment having nothing. Right? Nothing at all. He was taken care of, he was fed, he had caregivers, probably not just one, but many. He was a part of the king's family, he was the king's grandson, and now all of a sudden, I'm not sure what they were doing beforehand, but they're grabbing him up and they're saying, we have to go, we have to go. Not just we have to go, but your grandfather and your father is gone. So in a moment, we have this young man, this five-year-old who's trying to navigate through the most difficult things of life, The difficulty of losing two family members, very close, and now also being crippled in his feet. Mephibosheth was broken by a fall. So, if you just pick up the Bible and you opened up, or maybe you're visiting today and I'm talking about this 2 Samuel 4 4, and this is all I leave you with, that's pretty depressing, right? Like if I closed right now and I said, okay, guys, good luck use this in your life somehow, some way, right? You'd probably leave like, wow, uh, I can't wait till Pastor Trevor gets back and this guy goes, because this was not very encouraging today. I feel like this is the part where we should have like some kind of infomercial, right? But wait, there's more, you know? It's like, there, there's more to this story. And we find ourselves years later going to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses one through four. There is more, there is some encouraging stuff uh, to the story, and I would like to read it today. It says this, David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? Remember, this is years later. He said that I might show kindness for Jonathan's sake. For there, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. He's crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? I love that question. It reminds me of Genesis in the beginning when, when, when God was looking for Adam. And he says, where are you? But see, King David, he says, where is he? We find ourselves now verses six and seven. It says, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness. Get this. I'll show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. You eat at my table always. I want you to think, just for a second about the turn of events for Mephibosheth. Think about all the years of hiding. Think about all the years of the fear. Think about him just dealing with his everyday life of being crippled, not able to walk, not able to take care of himself fully and completely. And now, now we find him in this place where he, he, he's totally been turned around and he's totally been restored. You know, as I think about this story, I think about what the Bible says about King David. If you've been coming here long enough, you've probably heard it before that David was a man after God's own heart. Anybody heard that before? David is a man after God's own heart. And here's what happens. I, I'm not sure if David was taking a walk. I'm not sure if he was getting ready for the day. I'm, I'm not sure what was happening in David's life in this moment, but David remembered. David remembered his friendship with Jonathan, who was King Saul's son he, he remembers the talks he remembers how they confided in one another he remembers how they they trusted one another and he begins to think I wonder I just wonder in all these years of separation I wonder if there's anybody left in this family that I can show kindness to now Mephibosheth on the other hand he possibly felt forgotten he possibly felt like no one knows even who he was He possibly thinks about his life, if he had any good memories at all. He possibly thinks about his life before the fall. He possibly lived in fear his whole life. Is there a king looking for me? Is there someone who wants to take my life? Because remember, the last memory that he had of this new kingdom was them running, was them being terrified, was them being afraid, and we have to get out of this town. That's his last memory of this new kingdom. But there was a king looking for him. There was a king looking for him. The king said, where is he? Where is he? And this is what I love. There was a king looking for him, but not with an eye to kill him, with an eye to show him kindness. There was a king named King David looking for Mephibosheth, someone he could show kindness to. And so long story short, they they bring Mephibosheth to the king. And I love this. Even though Mephibosheth was broken by a fall, Mephibosheth was found by a king he was broken by a fall he was found by a king the king found him and brought him near get this after the fall after he fled after all this fear that he had lived with after all that Saul did to David which was many many terrible things the king finds him And he doesn't find him wanting to kill him. He finds him wanting to show kindness to him. The king found him, brought him near. Get this, David's extension, his extension of grace and his extension of mercy was unwarranted and it was undeserved. Right, culturally speaking, this would not have happened. There's no way David should have ever said, you know what, find somebody from the old kingdom that I can show kindness to, find somebody that that I can, that I can bless, find somebody I can be good to. No, that would not have taken place. But David in grace and mercy stretched out his hand to Mephibosheth. By all reasoning, Mephibosheth should have been kept at a distance. Now it seems at this point that Mephibosheth starts understanding that, man, this king, I don't think wants to kill me. Uh, you know, up until this point, maybe he still had questions, maybe he still had reservations, but now he's in the presence of the king, and the Bible says that he he falls down before the king, he he pledges himself to the king, he accepts and he recognizes the kindness of the king, and this may be the most important, I believe, part in detail in the story, and it is this: Mephibosheth surrendered as a servant. Mephibosheth surrendered as a servant. So we see first as a five-year-old, he's broken by a fall. Then we see that he's found by the king. He, he, he doesn't have any reservations now. And now he's surrendered as a servant. He came to understand the character of the king. And I'm not sure what you were like but me growing up. I don't think I had the right understanding of the king. I don't think I had the right understanding of the king. I, I don't think I had the right understanding of, of church. I, I always thought it was a fearful thing to come to church. I always thought, man, God's out to get me. But then I began to understand the character of God. I began to understand who he was, and my heart was softened. Are you with me? And, and we, we, we find ourselves getting to this place where now Mephibosheth in this story is understanding, okay, this king is not who I thought he was, and so he surrenders as a servant. The story gets better. David does the unexpected. David does the unexpected. Because at this point, I think it would have been enough for Mephibosheth to simply be a servant. To simply say, okay, now my needs are met. Okay, now I guess I, 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 can, I can be a part of this kingdom in some way. At least I can serve. At least I don't have to run in fear anymore. At least I don't have to hide. At least I don't have to try to, to take care of myself. I'm surrendered as a servant. But guess what happens? David invites him. To the table. Mephibosheth was invited to the table of the king. Think about this this transformation. Think about this process where he was far from the kingdom. He was broken. Now he's found. He says, I'll be a servant. But David says, No, no, no. I want you to have a place at my table. I'm talking about constant relationship. I'm not talking about just one time like the king was like, hey, hey, I just want to give you a pat on the back. Really sorry about everything that happened. No, he goes all out and he says, I want you to now be at the table. I want to invite you to this place. Mephibosheth was invited to the table in his brokenness. In his brokenness, he was brought to the table. He was invited to the table just as he was. You know, David really was a man after God's own heart. He was invited to the table in the midst of his brokenness, in the midst of who he was. And not only was he invited, but he now restores Mephibosheth. He restores possessions. He restores some of the family stuff back to him. If you read the text, that's what it says, that that Saul's stuff was restored. Saul's land was restored to Mephibosheth. His works, nor his worth, made this happen. Think of that. There's nothing Mephibosheth did to make this happen. Like he didn't pursue the king. Do you get that? He didn't pursue the king. The king pursued him. And now he's getting all this stuff restored back to him. Understand that by no works, by no no good deeds was he receiving these things back. It was simply because of the goodness and the kindness of the king. Only by accepting what the king had to offer was he finding this restoration. Now, we aren't getting somewhere in this story. I just want to take you through this journey and take you through this process because, man, it, it's, it's an up and down roller coaster of emotions. We find Mephibosheth for years and years simply being broken, simply in fear, simply in hiding. And now, all of a sudden, all this stuff's coming back. All of a sudden, now he, he is found by this king and he says, I'm yours, I'm your servant. And now he's invited to the table. But let's check out this, this final verse 2 Samuel 9 11. It says, then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table. Get this, like one of the king's sons. David ate at the Lord's, I'm sorry, Mephibosheth ate at the Lord's table, David's table, like one of the king's sons. I guess I should keep my eyes on the scripture and not you when I'm trying to read the scripture. Let's do it one more time. David's, and I just messed it up again. Let's try it again. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Think of the beauty. Think of the parallels in this text today. Maybe some of you are already there, like maybe you've heard this story and you're already kinda putting the pieces together. But, but I think there's been something that, that has been said here in this church is that everything in the Old Testament is like a neon sign pointing to Jesus, right? So let's think about this text. After the fall, after the hiding, after the fear, the king came to him. The king found him. The king invited him. The king restored him. It's it's almost like the scripture is telling us about something before it ever happens. You see, I just so happen to believe that all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. That from Genesis to Revelation, all of the scripture is about Jesus Christ. And so the last point I wanna share with you today is this, Mephibosheth was adopted into the family. Mephibosheth was adopted into the family. Everything in this text is a neon sign pointing to Jesus Christ. Let me take you through this journey. After our fall of sin, we became broken. Every person in this place today, you're on the same playing field. You're on a level playing field. All of us have been separated from God because of the fall. Because of the original sin of Adam. You see, like Mephibosheth, we've been broken by a fall. And maybe you're here today and you still feel broken. Maybe here today you still feel separated from God. Maybe today you, you don't have a relationship with the one true king. Maybe you're saying, Man, I'm, I'm afraid. I, I don't know if he would invite me and in, I don't know what I have to do to get him to love me. Can I tell you, he already loves you. Can I tell you, he already wants to show kindness to you. Even though you've been broken by a fall, even though you may have fear today, there's a king who wants to find you. Can I tell you that just like this story, there's a king that's looking for all of us today. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our fear, there's a king looking for us. The king finds us just like this story. I don't believe that any of us have the strength to find Jesus. King Jesus finds us, and you know what we do? We simply accept and recognize and surrender to all that he's done. Do you see that correlation in the story? Do you see that parallel? Do you see how we're like Mephibosheth? That we've been broken, but there's a king who finds us, and now we can surrender to him, and he restores us. And my favorite point of all, he adopts us as sons and daughters as we surrender to him. That's why I said that surrender part is of the utmost importance. As a pastor, people ask me often, man, what do I gotta do to be saved? What do I gotta do for God to accept me? You have to surrender. Salvation's first step is a surrendering to him, a surrendering to his goodness, a surrendering to his kindness, a surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I believe truly someone needs to know this today. That because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus rose again from the grave, we can be found and not lost. Isn't that good news? That because of what Christ did for us, we can be found and not lost. We don't have to be broken anymore. We have a place at the table. And it's not just a place here at a seat at the Creek Church. This is a great celebration that we get to come to week in and week out, but guess what? We get invited to the table of the Lord every day of our life because we can now walk in relationship with God. We can walk in relationship with the King because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. He found us in the midst of our brokenness. We can surrender to the King today. We can sit at his table. We can be adopted. Adopted as sons and daughters of the King. And before I close, I just want to encourage the church with this. Maybe you've been born again for a long time and these stories, these parallels, sometimes they they kind of just run together and maybe you don't have the feeling you once did when you thought about salvation and the grace and mercy of God. Can I just encourage the church today that none of us deserve a place at the table. None of us have earned it. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you're you're like my wife, I joke, I say she was born saved. (laughs) She was just born good. Maybe, maybe that's your story too, but can I tell you, none of us deserve it. We have a king who found us. We have a king who loved us enough. He looked for us in kindness. And the only thing that makes a way for us is our surrender to him. And so I just want you to know today, if you're not a believer, if you're not born again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, know this, there's a king right now looking for you. His name's Jesus. You've been broken by the fall. Sin has separated you from God. Guess what? You can be found by the king. Simply surrender your life to him. And let's just look at the story to see what will happen. You'll be restored. You'll be restored. I'm looking at faces of restoration here today. You know what else I'm looking at? I'm looking at faces of sons and daughters of the king. You've been invited to the table. You have been adopted by the king of kings and by the Lord of lords. He's a good king. He's a kind king. If you need him today, call upon him. Say, Lord, I surrender my life to you and he will do a great and mighty work within you. Let's stand to our feet today in this place. Father, today we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. You are worthy today. Oh God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would move in this place in a mighty way. God, if there's those who do not know you as Savior and Lord, I pray right now in this moment, they would simply surrender to you. They would say yes to you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would encourage the church that you would uplift the church, God, that you would fill believers today with encouragement. Remind us again, Lord God, of who you are, of what you've done for us, of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy toward us. Be the lifter of our heads today, and God, may we never stop telling people about this king. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen.